na na na. Hey people, it's the Soul Man Zalon and welcome to Conversations with Zalon. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Once again, just a quick recap. So Conversation with Zalon was inspired because I felt like I was having so many great conversations on the phone, whether it be informative, motivational, inspiring, um, and I felt like, or just entertaining, just fun, you know, um, and I felt like how cool it would be in order to, you know, allow people to listen in, um, and maybe they might, you know, get some value from it somehow, um, in their life, or maybe they're just nosy. So you know, feel free to, you know, listen in. But, um, so today, um, my guest is a singer, um, I've known her for a few years now, um, and um, I think I think firstly before I before we I, I give you too much about her. Um, her name is Kerry Ann. Um, she's a she's a singer, and I'd like I like. Well, firstly, welcome, Kerry Ann. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> I, I, um, I'd like you to tell us a bit about you, if you can. Oh wow! <laughs> okay. Um, so I am Kerri-Anne and primarily I'm a singer. Um, I'm also a qualified teacher. Um, so I was a, a teacher before I was a singer. I think a lot of people know the story of I was singing, uh, teaching in Dubai and then I gave it all up to sing and, um, sort of been living on singing for the past like five years or so. Um, so yeah, I'm a teacher slash singer. <laughs> Perfect. And um, what was it? Why did you make that transition? Because you you say that you was um, a teacher first. I've never I never knew you was a teacher. No, so nobody <laughs> I never knew I was a teacher. <laughs> right. So, um, wait. I want to come back to this. Yeah. First, I want to go to how did we meet? Let's tell people how we met. Okay. Um. Oh my God. Do you know what? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It it feels like it was ages ago. Um, it was about, I think it was about, what, three years ago? I think, yeah, I think so. No, was it might what? have been about four because we met, yeah, it was about four years ago because I'd not long arrived back in the UK um, and I was just sort of um, out networking and somebody that I met told me about you and they were like, oh, yeah, you should meet this guy. He's great. He sings and he's amazing. Um, so then she introduced me to you and then just kind of spiralled out from there, really. <laughs> so from my, my perspective, um, I was having, I have a festival, Soul Royalty Festival. We've been doing it. I think we're in our fifth year of doing it now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why I think it was three years ago. But um, after the show, I think um, I was introduced to you and I think you was telling me that you, you, you were in Dubai and you're coming back to the UK and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I just loved your confidence. Um, <laughs> I found it, um, it, it was, it was just, you were just so warm and open. Um, and although I didn't know you, it was just like, Hey, you know, what do you need? How is it going? Like, tell me, tell me, tell me, you know, what's happening. And then you was also sharing your experiences from Dubai as well. Mm. But, I, 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 I feel like your energy introduced itself before you did. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, because I, you know, when we, we spoke on the phone afterwards, mm. and we spoke for hours, and it was, like one, of yeah. The, yeah, it was like one of the first times we'd actually spoken. So 
um, yeah, your energy definitely introduced itself before. Um, so let's now go back to why you, so you, was you originally a teacher then? I was, yes. So the story goes, um, when I first started out in my professional career, um, I did the whole teacher training at university and I went straight into teaching after I graduated. And I taught in the UK for, I think it was nine months. And I was like, I'm so over this. I need a bit of an adventure. So I applied to a job in Dubai, a teaching job in Dubai. And um, whilst I was, so I moved over there to teach. And whilst I was over there, um, a friend of mine was like, have you ever, have you ever sang before? And I'm like, yeah, I loved singing from since I was five. That's pretty much what I wanted to do as a profession. But um, I never sort of got the opportunity to do that. And so he's like, okay, well, I've got an opportunity for you now. Would you be interested? You'll get paid. I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean I get paid? Paid what? He's like, we'll pay you money. And the amount that they were paying me was the same, probably a little bit more than what I was earning from teaching. Right. Um, so it was amazing. Like, you know, the opportunity was great. But at the time, I'd never really sang professionally. So right. to be really honest, like, I kind of just sort of hoped that it would um I, I just had to put my faith in God and just say yes to the job so I took it anyway and it it turned out to be amazing because what had happened is I was essentially I was running two jobs so I was teaching full-time and schools in Dubai start from 7 30 in the morning um until three so I would have to be at work for seven and yeah. um but just before that I was singing in a in a jazz club until two in the morning. So wow. you can imagine I wasn't getting much sleep. <laughs> and I was literally going from stage to classroom with just minutes to spare. Um, but cut a long story short, it all got a bit um, too much to kind of juggle between the two. And I thought, well, I've got this really good opportunity now to make a career out of singing. So why don't I just sort of, put a lid on the teaching side for a little bit and explore the the, the possibilities of having a music career um so I, I sort of um shut away from teaching in Dubai and um I opened up a you have to register yourself as a business over there if you're going to be a musician so I opened up a business and yeah I sort of went it alone for the, the following years after that um and that's kind of where I sort of built myself up as a singer. I established myself as a singer. Um, so by the time that I came back to the UK, I was a singer. I wasn't a teacher. So that's why right. everybody in the UK, um, even now, people are just really confused. They're like, oh, well, how come you're doing teaching? Like, where did that come from? Like, it's always been there. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've sort of, yeah. So when I came back, I was just very much into singing I did the whole x-factor thing and whatever and yeah it that was my life until February this year <laughs> wow how long ago was that with the the teaching um what teaching in Dubai yeah um oh so I moved over there in 2010 and I taught I, I left there in 2015 so yeah it was about it's about six years, six, seven years ago that I was teaching. 
Wow. And um, um, so prior to going to Dubai, was your teacher also? Yeah. So I was a teacher here for nine months. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But I was fresh. I was fresh. What, what, age, what age group? Um, I was teaching year three, so year seven and eight. My God. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, one of the inspirations between um, the reason why I really wanted to get you on this show is obviously the coronavirus situation has happened and it's impacted many musicians, many singers. Um, and so they've had to look at potentially other skills that they have on hand on how they can survive. And, you know, we don't know how or when we're going to go back to performing again. You know, it could be another year. The industry could be affected for a long time. We just don't know. There's so much uncertainty. And then I saw in the midst of the coronavirus that you had completely just transformed, just got your hustle. You just put, you know, pulled up your sleeves, got your hustle on. And then you had this whole kind of teaching online like brand and business and I was like this girl knows how to hustle I didn't even know that there was a whole back end of you as uh you know as a teacher and I was really um I was impressed at how you had made that shift um but it, as you're saying it was all that was always what you was doing right yeah so I've always known that I wanted to be a teacher and a singer like from when I was little um I just didn't know how and if it was possible to marry the two um, and, you know, sort of like even up to a couple of years ago, like it created such an inner conflict in me because I knew that I had the skills and the passion to teach. Um, mm. but I knew that I really wanted to sing, you know, mm. so I was just, I felt like I was forced to choose. Right. Um, and it was, yeah, it was really difficult. I mean, like, everything happens for a reason, so I'm not sort of damning the experience at all. Mm -hmm. But um, but now the the most beautiful thing for me personally that's come out of this COVID situation is that I feel so free to do mm -hmm. whatever I want to do. So if I want to mm -hmm. teach, I will teach. If I want to sing, I will sing. There's no mm -hmm. manual to say this is how you must do life. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I I understand that conflict very, very, very well. Yeah. Um, when I was um, younger, I always mm. I always liked music, and I was passionate about music. Music has been, I don't know, probably since I've been four years old. Music's always been a massive passion in my life. Yeah. Um, but when I got to my early twenties. Um, I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which kind yeah. of started to awaken the entrepreneurial side. And so um, it's a bit of a conflict because with business, business is, you know, adding value to people um, in exchange for money. And money is just the, mm -hmm. uh, the result of the amount of value that you add to people, right? Mm -hmm. And music is quite similar um, because you're just adding value to people. And if they like it, then, you know, you receive money as a result. Yeah. And so... When I was coming up, I always felt like I had to choose either business or music. Um, and yeah. it, 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 I always chose music because I felt like, firstly, I was most passionate about music. Mm -hmm. And also, um, money can always be made, but you can't necessarily always have a career. Right. And so I chose that. Um, and as I've gone further down the line, I've tried to just find ways to just merge them together. So mm -hmm. 
you know, things like my clothing line and all the things that I want to do. I feel like there's so many things that was, is within me that I really want to um, expand upon yeah. um, and not just being a singer. Like even this podcast is another form of my expression. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, like I, I, I totally do understand when you're speaking about this, uh, the conflict that goes on with that within yeah. you. Yeah. But this is it, one it, of the reasons why I was so drawn to you in the beginning, because um, I see like the way that I sort of, I don't know, I feel like we have very similar um, views on sort of navigating our way through life, you know, yeah. like um, just like from the conversations that we've had, I can see that you're, you're very, you're very spiritual, but you're not sort of judgmental with it. You're, um, uh, you've got a really good business um, sense and you're, you're, I just felt that you had multiple intelligences and I was just like, oh my God, like this is really inspirational. I need to have more people like this around me because at the time, the people that I had around me, they just didn't get it. And mm. I promise you, I, there's not a single minute that goes by that I'm not thinking of another way to drum up more money. Yeah. So when, when, when you want to, um, when you are thinking about drumming up more money, hmm. what is it I say for? that in jest. I mean, like, I'm talking no, about... No, like, I know. No, I, get it, I get it, but I just want to unpack it, you know? Yeah. So, like, okay, so let's say you double the money or triple the money. What's mm -hmm. it for? My end goal is to sit back in whichever house the universe will allow me to, to have at, the, at that time and know that I've got so many different pies out there feeding so many different people. Like, right. I don't know, I, I don't want to get specific. I don't want right. to put any constraints on, on my future blessings. All yeah. I want to know, this is, this, is my, this is my measurement for success. All I want to know is that there, is, uh, there are people out there with needs that are being met. And if I'm the one to create those services, then that's great. So let me that's ask you another question. Do you want to be working mm -hmm. for this? So do you want to be trading your time in order to add value to these people in, in exchange for money? Or do you want it to be stuff that you set up that run automatically externally from you? It's both. And I'll tell you why it's both. Because what I've found as I've gotten older is that the joy of the journey is where it's at right it's all about it's all about the the journey there's so many times when I've gone on road trips and I'm like oh my god like we're sit, sat in the car and this we listen to music and yeah we hit a few speed bumps along the way we might get um I don't know might accidentally I don't know knock over a deer or something which is traumatizing like all of these things will happen along the way but the journey is interesting it's fun it's invigorating it's exciting and when you get to the destination, yeah, the destination's cool, but you can't stop thinking about all the jokes that you cracked in the car and all of the mm. things that happened when, you know, you were on your way to the destination. So right. I always think that the journey is just as much, if not imp more important than, than the, the, than the destination. So I really enjoy the process of setting up a business. I love it. And as much as, you know, the whole taxes thing and I complain about it, I think deep down inside, I really enjoy it because 
it's a skill that I've had to learn and I think I, I, I know how to do it quite well. So I don't mind doing it. So number one, yes, it is about the journey. It's, I don't mind trading my time. That's not a problem for me, but it is also about creating opportunities for other people. So the tutoring company that I've set up, you know, hopefully when the music industry gets back to normal and it's thriving, hopefully I will start gigging again. But by that time, I'm hoping <laughs> for the for my tutoring business to um, almost act as an agency. So currently I'm setting up the brand. People know the brand Miss P's Bright Sparks. They know what they can expect. Um, and then um, over the summer, I'm training up uh, just a few other teachers to learn the brand so that, fingers crossed, when the music industry opens, I can go and do some singing if I want to. Nice. I think, um, <laughs> I think for me, my idea of success is mm. options having the freedom to choose. Yeah. Um, and That's so true. I think once you, for example, so my, my, my main motive, well, well, there's a few, but one of my main is just having the option. So for example, if you are in a situation where like, let's say you've got loads of bills and you've got a nine to five job and you've got kids and your house and everything um, is like, you now become, it's like a ball and chain. That job becomes a ball and chain to you. Mm, yeah. so for me, I want to have the freedom. If I want to travel, I travel. If I want to go here, here. If I want to get, if I want to move to this place, so I like having options. Yeah. And so for me, my version of, of success is not having to do things that I don't want to do. Yeah. So I, my, my intention is when I'm building things is to create things that allow me to expand on that. Um, so at one point, I used, to, I used to do a lot of like, wedding singers and singing for other people mm -hmm. um and then i've kind of like really reversed that so i do a lot more of my own stuff and yeah. i now tell a lot of stuff because if i want to do it i can do it and if i don't want to do it i don't have to do it you know yeah. Yeah. this is really um important for me also another thing my idea of success is is legacy um i i'm, I'm a strong believer that we can't take like um you know um the money and we can't take the fame or popularity mm -hmm. with us but we can like leave gifts for the world yeah. so i'm a strong believer that um when you record something it, it allows to transcend through time so mm -hmm. that's also something that's really um, important to me and then also success is um is in being happy and be and happy is also like being at peace mm -hmm. so just being at peace and peace can be anything from being around the people you like or being around having your having the time to be in your own space if that's okay so that's kind of my version of success yeah. I um, totally believe like, I totally agree with with you I think it is I mean everybody's got their own measures of success but I think ultimately like you said like the, we're all human beings we all came into onto this planet with nothing you know who are we to like be so materialistic and you know, assume that, oh, you know, we're going to leave, um, we're going to leave this world like, well, we want to leave this world really rich, really famous, really whatever. No, I'm, I was a peaceful, everyone was a peaceful child when they all came out of their mother's womb. Yeah. And I want to leave this that way as well. <laughs> Amazing. So listen, you spoke about the thing that you're really good at, um, which was, you said, 
um, that you're good at like setting up a business or you have a passion for it. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the most, the, the weakest part of your business? Oh, the weakest part is a, is a personal thing, you know. Or weak, weak whatever it is, like weakest yeah. or challenge, most challenging part of your business. Yeah. The most challenging part for me is a personal one because I, and I'm sure you 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 can identify with this as well. When you have a vision for something like, and it's a strong one, you kind of want it to just go that way. Mm. And um, anybody like the idea or the thought of outsourcing is just almost a no-no because you're just kind of scared that it's not going to be executed in the way that you envisioned it to be. So one of my, my downfalls when it comes to business is I can sometimes be quite afraid to outsource um, because I've just fear that it's just not going to be of, you know, a certain standard or it's not going to be done properly or whatever. Um, however, <laughs> I had um, one of my mentors like really gave me a strong talking to the other day. They're like, look, you're doing all this stuff and you've got, you've still got a lot more stuff that you need to do. You're not out out of the woods yet. Like you've got a lot of things that you need to fix up business wise. You need Mm -hmm. to start creating a team or, you know, at least outsourcing on on one of the outsourcing um, platforms that are available. So use what's around you. And I'm like, this is just so true I wrote a book you know I wrote a book about a month ago and I've dedicated a whole chapter to outsourcing <laughs> the irony the irony right a whole book I'm out here in these streets telling these mums you've got to outsource you've got to get t- tutors and you've got to use your community and there's me trying to to create a, um, an animated video, explain a video, as well as trying to create posts, as well as trying to reach out to um, to members of the community. I'm doing all of the... Oh, and on top of that, I'm working in a school three days a week. Why am I not taking my own advice? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, I had, my mentor had to really get strong with me the other day and just be like, look, you can't do everything. It's not possible. So, yeah. And on top of that as well, I'm not good at everything. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not yeah. good at everything. And, and, and sometimes, I don't know if you know the Pareto law, the 80-20 rule, but sometimes, like, so basically, if just any, anybody's listening, the Pareto law is this, is that there was a man called Pareto which understood the 80-20 rule, and that is that 20% of your efforts will give you 80% of your results, mm-hmm. and 80% of your efforts will give you 20% results. Um, and it works in many different parts of your life. Mm-hmm. So you will find that um, uh, you will wear twenty percent of your wardrobe eighty percent of the time. Yeah. That you will you will speak to you. You know, like it, it, it works for for um, everything. That eighty percent of um, you know, like if you were to make phone calls to procure a business, eighty percent of them would only bring in. Or let's say you have customers, 80% of your customers will give you 20% of your finance and yeah. 20% will give you 80% and yeah. you have an opportunity of scaling up. And so once you start looking at it like that, you can know where to focus your attention and where to to out, outsource your team. So if you get an outsourced team, you're not yeah. trying to get 
Because what they say is the extra 20% that you would get from the 80 to 100 requires so much effort, but it doesn't require that much more value to the person. So the 80% is sufficient, is sufficient enough in order for you to have the impact that you need. Yeah. Like uh, my brother Ishma was telling me um, the story of Apple when they first start when they first released their phone, there was things that wasn't finished, it wasn't completed. Like they couldn't even forward a message. That was like one of the big things. Like they couldn't mm. like they couldn't forward their message at the time. Mm. Um, but they still released it, and then they still worked on updating it and bettering it over time. Mm-hmm. So. That was something which he actually told me, I think it was yesterday, he reminded me right. about that. Um, yeah. and so it's the Pareto, feel free to look it up. Yeah, I definitely will. Oh, a nugget of, of wisdom, thank you. This is why I like conversations with no. you. <laughs> I always learn something, no, I feel a lot smarter. <laughs> so um, for me, I think that the thing that... Um, I think the thing that I find most challenging is... I, in my essence, like to be thorough, mm-hmm. whereas I think there's sometimes where you need to be, um, you just need to move, you know, like yeah. I like to get all the information, yeah. you know, I like to get all the information, have everything ready before I decide. I don't want to do things twice, mm-hmm. um, but I feel that sometimes you just need to do it now, do it quickly, do it to the best of your ability and and then move forward because, and- you know, there is also... Um, um, there's an advantage to being first. Mm-hmm. There's an advantage to um, be doing things uh, quickly uh, mm-hmm. because you gain information and you can tweak in the progress. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I find that that's probably you know that's one of the areas that I can think of at the top of my head that mm-hmm. I definitely need to work on. Um, yeah. Definitely need to work on. Totally hear that. Uh, it's um, I, it reminds me of one of like my things as well, like perfectionism I've always thought that everything in life had to be perfect and I'm talking like from (laughs) from when I was young you know you you know like your grandma's front room right you don't go in there you're not allowed in there (laughs) 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 and that's because the pillows (laughs) were so neatly fluffed and placed in diamond shapes and um you've got the the um oh gosh the cabinet with all the different trinkets from margate and bournemouth all polished are you where are your parents from from jamaica right yeah exactly same same because when you started talking about the trinkets they have a cabinet Mm -hmm. that doesn't get opened with glasses and trinkets and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i I don't know if the other caribbean islands do that but i know that my jamaican grandma my mum, my mum even yeah. has that hoarding yeah. stuff. Like we've got, we have like, oh my gosh, we have like a glut. Like, it's weird to even think about it now because mm-hmm. I can picture it. We have a whole cabinet in the front room, Worldly which is like glasses, <laughs> like these sparkle glasses, and yeah. she, like never been used for that. And if I go in there today, she'll scold me for going in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will never get used. Not even at your funeral will they get used. Like, they are just there for show. So um, I've grown up in a, an environment where everything was just perfect and it had to be neat and pristine. And our clothes had to be 
top of the line and our hair had to be done so perfectly. So I kind of grew up in this bubble of everything having to be perfect and symmetrical and, you know, balanced. And it really did have an effect on me growing up in, well, saying growing up, but being in the music industry because mm. I, and this is one of the reasons why I've not really released any of my own music, to be honest. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm literally looking at the elephant in my room right now. <laughs> this yeah, is the yeah, reason... Yeah. This is the reason why I haven't released any of my music because I've yeah. always strive, and I've got tons of music, Alon. Like Mate, on my laptop. Oh, it's embarrassing. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's embarrassing because yeah. Go on, continue. I've got tons of music on my laptop that I've produced. People have produced for me, but mm. I've sat there and listened to every single song and just tried to over perfect it to the point where it just never gets released mm. because I overthought it I, was just, I thought it to death as one of my one of my favorite yeah people. yeah 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 living in your mind that often yeah. happens like I have a lot of music yeah I have a lot of footage mm -hmm. from pause everything I have like a lot of pictures content and you know it's really, you know, it's really important that we put it out, Kerri-Ann, you know. I mean, I know that not everything may be good enough and that's okay, but we really have to put the content out because I'm telling you, like, like if we don't put it out, it's like it, it, it becomes, like, pointless us having it. Like, I don't, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, we have to get it, we have to get, we have to get it off of our hard drive and into the marketplace. Because people, because it was created for a, a purpose, right? To add value to people or to, to be a soundtrack for their lives. And it's on a hard drive doing nothing. Mm. Well, I kind of agree with you, Zalon. Um, I also think that um, the music, we don't just create music for, for other people. It's not, you know, as much as we are altruistic people <laughs> I'd like to think most musicians are some are not but as much as altruism is a very very noble what, altruism sorry what's altruism oh so it's when you do something for the purpose of somebody else's good so when you do it for someone uh -huh. not not being selfish about it okay cool you're Thanks. acting selflessly so as much as that's you know like that's a very noble and an um, honourable trait to have, sometimes you can make music and mm. it makes you feel so good whilst mm. you're making it and that was all its purpose was. Absolutely. It's meant to be out there. <laughs> but I know you have some gems in there for people to hear. How many, how many official songs do you have out? Of my own? My own, yeah. my own? None. Yeah. yeah. None. You know, because you know why? I I've spent all of my career um, performing at events, doing cover, right. and yes. I was okay with that. I was okay with yeah. that. It wasn't until I got to London where I felt that there was this. I felt pressure, and it's funny. You need to be careful what you ask the universe for, you know, because it will give it to you. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I need to leave Dubai because I didn't feel like I was progressing anymore. There's, there's, there's without sounding, um, how do I say, 
without sounding egocentric, like I knew that I was good over there and I knew that I, you know, I was getting all the gigs and, you know, but there's only so far you can go. Do you know what I mean? Yes. My ultimate goal over there was to sing for the Sheikh, to sing for Sheikh Mohammed. I did that. So now I'm just like, okay, now what? I didn't yeah. feel challenged enough. So I was like, okay, it's time to go home and experience a bit of, you know, some earthy vibes. Um, yeah. so when I got to London, that's when I was like, okay, yeah, I'm looking for a challenge. I want to, to be, to experience a challenge. So essentially in Dubai at the time, um, I was a big fish in a little pond. When I yeah. came here to the UK, I was a tiny, tiny fish <laughs> in yeah. this yeah. huge yeah. ocean. And yeah. I met some amazing singers, right? And it was, it was the best time of my life because it helped me to up my game. And I wasn't looking at them. Yeah. I'm not, a, I don't, um, I don't subscribe to jealousy or anything like that. Like I respect everybody for their own, you know, what they have. And I look up to them instead of feeling quite envious about it. So I always yeah. looked at these amazing singers as right. Oh my God. Like, how can I learn from these people? Yeah. Um, but it was a real challenge for me because a lot of these musicians, they were already established as musicians. I was yeah. not in the UK. Um, yeah. And they already had their own music and I didn't. Yeah. And I kind of felt this sense of, it was, it kind of felt a bit like snobbery, like, oh no, she doesn't have her own music. She's not a real artist or she's not a real performer, right. you know? Yeah. And that really did knock my confidence. Yeah. I understand. Listen, man, like, it took me so many years to get music. Like, I've wanted to put out music for so long. Like, mm -hmm. I'm talking about, I, I can't even tell you how many years, so many years of trying and trying and trying. And I remember being on a plane once mm -hmm. and going through turbulence. I don't like turbulence. Oh, and, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I love it now. Now that I understand the the laws of dynamics, like I get it. No, nah, I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, and I just remember we was going through bad turbulence, and I was just like, damn, I've not released an album, and I don't have children, and I was just like, ah. I was like, I mean, what, like, what, like, what was I here for? If I if I haven't like done those two things, that's what I was yeah. feeling. And so I kind of really made an effort to um, release my album. Um, and that was the just, Liquid Sonic Sex one, right? That was the Liquid Sonic Sex. That's Mate, correct. Yeah. I, I think I messaged you about how much I, in, how in love with that album I was. I'm sure wow. I did. Yeah. Listen, let me tell you something. But we're gonna do, no. We need to 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 have that. We need to talk about your album in its own. Yeah, we need to give its own space for that because there's so much that I want to say. But yeah, so say what you're saying. <laughs> that um, needs its own space. <laughs> you know, do, you know, do you know the funny thing is? Um, mm -hmm. I've never, ever heard your feedback on it. But my intention for the album, though, what I will say is that um, it was the first time I had created a piece of work that was through feelings and not through thought not trying to think of how to make people love stuff. It wasn't trying to be for radio. It wasn't trying to be for the press. It yeah. literally was like, as you said, it was, was it, it wasn't altruistic. Was that the word? No, it, 
it was altruistic. It was just for yourself. Um, it wasn't altruistic. Sorry, I'm talking rubbish. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't altruistic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I say it was for myself, I mean it was my my most authentic expression. Yeah. Um, and it took me a long time. So basically, it, I I started it in 2010, and it didn't get released until 2017. A lot uh-huh. of behind the scenes politics and all sorts of stuff that was happening. But I didn't want to release another body of work until I had released that album because I believed in it so much because it came from such an authentic yeah. space. Yeah. So I had preferred to have not just made a song and just released it, and I preferred to have done that. So it, the, however you felt about it really does mean a lot mm. because I fought for that album. And when I say fought, I had to be consistent yeah. And in, in fighting for the album, I had to end, I ended up even re-recording it just because of legal reasons and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, so your, you know, I've never even heard your views on it. So I, I you know, obviously I appreciate. It. I just want to say that. Yeah. Oh my god! When I heard it, because I came to see you live, um, perform. It was the um, it was the launch, I believe it was. Oh, um, was you at, at the, the jazz cafe? Is it oh jazz my. Cafe? God, I thought I met you at my festival. I met you at. So this is what okay. happens, yeah. When you get all these 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 girls just running around you, we all just become a blur, don't hey. we? <laughs> 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 What's my name? What's Listen, my name? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Susan. <laughs> um, so, okay, so Jazz Cafe was in 2017. Was that the first time I met you then? Um, yes. Also, then it was three years ago. Oh my gosh. Okay, it felt, felt like it was longer than that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It feels like we've known each other a lot longer. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time. And I remember coming to see you because, oh my God, I was going through so much. Like, emotionally, I was going through so much. My friend was like, oh, just come and see, you know. I was like, oh my God, let me drag myself halfway across London to go and see this guy that I don't know nothing about. And hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll I don't know, like, I'll, I'll have a good time. So I got there and I just remember it being so loud, <laughs> so loud. And this was me coming from a very hermit space that I'd been in for about a month. So everything just kind of felt magnified times a thousand. And, but the, the, it's almost like, I don't know, it just felt so magical. And now I'm sounding really cheesy, Zalon, but I can't no, no that as well. I felt it, but you've never told me this. And so I, I'm now experiencing that moment through you. So please continue. Mm, yeah. So it was just really magical. And it was, I had mixed emotions about going to the jazz cafe because um, the last time I went to the jazz cafe, my ex-boyfriend had taken me there and it was just, went to music soul child and it just brought back so much memories. So Mm. before I got there, I was already skeptical about so many different things Mm. related to it. But then when I got there, it was just, I was just like, oh my God, this is someone that knows what they're doing. And it really made me pull... (laughs) pull my own bootstraps up and say come on Kerry you know you can sing you you can move you're you ain't got a tree growing out of your face you can do this 
And seeing you on the stage just brought so much um, motivation and inspiration to me. Um, so I was really, I was just blown away by it, Zalon, honestly. And then that's when, and like, trust me, this sounds really bad for me as an artist, but sometimes I don't buy albums. Like, mm. I've not bought music in a very long time. No, I agree. But, me too. Right. <laughs> but I felt so compelled to, to purchase your album. And I listened to it and I kid you not, like, I'm a creature of habit, okay? When I like mm. something, that's me. So if I have to eat eggs and avocado for a year, I'm cool with that because at least, you know, there's a, a routine, there's a, a habitual behaviour. That was me with your song, Do It Again. Wow. Yes. Wow. So, <laughs> right, firstly, mm. I just want to say to you, thank you for sharing that mm -hmm. because there was many silent battles that were fought in order to bring that to light. And the easiest thing was to not let that come to light. Mm -hmm. But I fought and I invested to make that come to light. So thank you. And as you know, as, a, as an artist, there's so many challenges, so many rejections and doors shut in your face and ups and downs that that, that was just a part of so, ma so many more challenges, you know? Um, so it's something that I'm very proud of and I'm proud of it because there was no expectation for anybody else to feel anything about it. Mm. It was just what it was. Yeah. And so the fact that you did is like, wow, okay, like, wow, that's amazing. Like, thank you very much. Mm. Um, with the song Do It Again, um, I, I was working with um, my producer, um, mm -hmm. Jacqueline, and I think Maestro, I think if my memory serves me correctly, mm. um, they had already started working on it. Okay. Um, just the, the music, and then myself and a and a writer called Salisha came in, and then we started writing it. Okay. And then I think it got tweaked. We tweaked it. We start. We done a version of it, and then we tweaked it. Eventually, Usher Raymond got hold of it. Yeah. Somehow, my people had sent it. Or he had heard it somehow through someone. I think we wanted to get a remix done, and mm -hmm. I think that person was either remixing or working with him. And I, supposedly, he had he had heard it, and he had done a version of it. Um, and his people had even registered that song on uh, the PRS site. It's the royalty site. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if it's still there. It still should be there. But they had registered it because um, uh, he had done a version of it. And we agreed the splits and stuff. And he released Good Kisser and supposedly Do It Again was supposed to be the next song coming out. Oh. Um, and then... I heard, I don't know how true it is, there was a falling out with the, the A&R or something like this. This was what I got back, but I don't know how true it is. There was a falling out with the A&R, they scrapped all the music and then they started They started from scratch. Oh. And so, um, yeah, he didn't end up releasing it, which was a shame because I felt like, um, yeah, it would have been amazing if he had released it, you know, because obviously- But it is amazing now. Don't say it would have been amazing. It is amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, sorry. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially Whether Usher with the... sings it or Tom Jones sings it, whoever. Like, it's a yeah. beautifully written I, song. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know what it is? 
I guess it's because I grew up listening to Usher yeah. and um, there was, when I was creating the album, there was talk that, oh, it's, it's not good enough or it's not like, you know, they would say stuff. And I was like, no, this is. So when you get, you know, one of the songs goes in the film, um, one guy who's working with Pharrell mm. takes one song, Usher takes another song. It's like, I knew what I was saying, man. These songs mm. are good. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? You know, so, yeah. Yeah. One thing I will say about, um, you, although you haven't released music yourself, the one thing I will say about you is that you are very glamorous in your performance, like, in the, and, and your whole brand and your whole package reminds me of the glamour of, like, Diana Ross. Was that an influence for you? Um, no, do you know what it was? Do you know who, who the influence was? It was my mum. So, really? my, yeah, my mum has always been very, you know, like, she's always put herself together good and she's always taught her girls to make sure that they look presentable before they leave the yard. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when you go to school, you speak eloquently, you um, treat people with respect and you do, you know, you, 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 you're a lady. That's what my mum has always taught us. So whenever we were practising performances at home, my mum would always be the one to, like, do the directions and show us how to move and stuff like that. So it's, wow. It was her. Camp, yeah? She's the she's reason why I'm like this. <laughs> wow. So she's giving you that Motown, you know, artist development from, from, yeah. from them days. But I grew Amazing. up listening to all of that stuff anyway. So, yeah, you're right. Dinah Ross... Um, Aretha Franklin, all of these women had the powerful women, but mm. they weren't like they weren't overly sexual with it. They weren't explicit yeah. with it. You know, they because, were able to to convey their sexuality, but in a very um, uh, in a very demure way. You know, I've always felt about you that your 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 package and your brand is very um, is very classy that could work in a lot of the high-end um, places. Oh, thank and, you. And when you're, you know, the music that you work on, will that be mm -hmm. taken over into that or will it be, you know, is that is that like the public persona or is that like you have a different expression? Do you know what? I stopped with this whole public persona thing about two years ago because somebody mm -hmm. said to me, when you get to about 30, right, forget all, well, you know, being a singer or being a teacher or being whatever, just as a human being and as a female, when you get to 30, you're just going to not give a rat's ass about anything, about what anybody wants to say in terms of you're going to live by your own rules. You're going to realise that you set the tone and you just need to be you. And if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. So it's not this whole... Um, when I'm at home, I'm just really, you know, I'm really loud and abrasive and, you know, and then when I go out in public, I have to be this very dem demure person that, um, you know, has a very specific brand. No, it's all rolled into one now because I just can't be asked. <laughs> yeah. no, I and guess. it feels amazing. I don't have to put on any pretenses. Like it literally is what you see is what you get. And mm. I think this is why, like this is why the, my friends and I, when we have these conversations, they're like, "Do you know what? When I met you, I thought that you were going to be like really stuck up and prim and proper because we see you on stage." But, but 
we see that you still have that very, um, you know, I don't play kind of attitude and, you know, I respect myself and I respect people, but you're also very relaxed and it's, it's almost like they're like, this has really held me back, Zalon. I'm, I'm going to be really real with you here. Like mm-hmm. I've missed out on a lot of opportunities because people have thought that I was a certain way um, whilst what? I'm performing yeah. on stage. And then when they talk to me in real life, they're like, oh my God, you're actually like, okay, you're an okay person. Um, right. But now it's, so- for me, it's just, I need to convey my truest self when I'm on stage. So, you know, like I'm always cracking inside jokes and I really don't care if anybody laughs at them or not, because in my head, like I'm, I'm cracking up. <laughs> Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just me being that, being my authentic self. That's really helped me to come out of my shell over the past couple of years. Hmm. You know, and they weren't lying when they said, when you get to 30, you just kind of let a lot of stuff go. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I, I want to kind of slightly shift this now, still about mm-hmm. performance, but with the whole um, George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter, and then a lot of the corporate companies around the world have suddenly, suddenly, all of a sudden found a voice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, myself they've included. All, they've all miraculously, no, but I'm what I, what I mean by that is mm-hmm. they, they um, are portraying as if, I believe, as if, oh, we've just noticed this thing, so we ah, need to yeah, speak yeah. up, uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to know is, do you think there'll be a change, a significant amount of change? And if so, what? Okay, I personally think that <clears throat> we are at a very, we have a very once in a lifetime it almost feels like once in a generation opportunity to make change right now the last time the world was so vocal and change really came about was back in the 60s yeah and I mean I'm not saying that anything that happened between the 60s and now um, isn't significant but I feel like because we are are the most advanced human beings that this planet has seen right now we have an obligation to do what's right for the extension of human beings on this planet. Yeah. For human, for next generations to come. And unfortunately somebody had to die, um, a horrible, um, a horrible death in order for the entire world to now wake up and start thinking about making changes. So, right. I just kind of feel like it's 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 a good time. It's a bit late, <laughs> to be honest, but it's better late than never. Yeah, we definitely have to remain optimistic. However, I'm a little bit sceptical, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Um, the atrocities towards black people mm. are happening in all parts of society. It happens on all levels. Racism, systematic racism, it all, it's on all levels of, of, of society. Mm-hmm. And it happens in all over the world, which is why something can happen in America and it has a ripple effect all around the world yeah. because 
people within their own lives are feeling that same thing in different ways. Mm-hmm. Some more overt, some are more, more covert, but there's a there's a connection that is going on across the world. Yeah. But the world, just like many other issues that are important around the world, you know, there are many issues that are important. But they're silent and it goes amiss. Mm. And what's happened is an event has happened just like many other events. But this particular event was majorly PR'd. It was majorly promoted all around the world. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be. I'm saying, well, why wasn't the others? The because others, we yeah. Have, we yeah. have so many others. Yeah. And so I quit. I quit. There's two things I question. Is this part of a political agenda mm-hmm. to start evoking change or to get people to vote or to whatever? And on the other hand, is if the world, if the masses can be so so tr- easily triggered because it's being PR'd, mm. can they be triggered the other way when the media, because the media's not loyal to anyone. They're, media, they're, 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 they're loyal to their own agenda. Yeah, definitely. So can the world be triggered if they start dehumanising black people again? What, what, how would they start responding? So my, my, my thing is, the thing that has motivated everybody to be in action mm. is an untrustworthy source mm. that we can't rely on for truth, equality, justice, etc. It mm-hmm. keeps it's a moving target. So can it be weaponized, you know? Because it has been weaponized against black people in the past. Mm. You know, the communication in the movies, in, 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 in the, the programs, in the news, in the press, like, it's been weaponized. But will it? I don't know. I can't state that it will never be weaponized again. Because the press aren't held accountable. You see, yeah. I a song on the, you, you said you like my album. There was a song here that I wrote called Erica. Yeah, you know, I love Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, just to give you a little backstory, that song is not actually about a woman. That song originally was about the manipulation of the media. And the original writing um, um, words were um, media, media. Stop telling those lies. Yeah. Stop telling us what and when and start telling us why. Tell the whole truth, media. Tell the truth no more, no less. Lead us from confusion and the land of second guess, yeah. right? And it, was to, it basically talked about the manipulation. And yeah. my a at the time was like, oh, it's too, I can't remember the word he used, but he's like, no, oh, it's too political. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not changing. That's too political. I'm not changing. And then my uh, my uh, producer, Jacqueline Pelham Lee, mm-hmm. um, she, she kind of was the media and said, well, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you felt like a woman was a bit manipulative or, you know, a bit deceptive? And I was like, yeah, so that's how it transformed because I felt like I related to it. But I don't, I still feel like it stands. I still feel like the media triggered. I feel like it manipulated. Yeah. I do um, wonder why they highlighted that one, that one particular. Exactly. Um, and and, and so when you start to question that, you know, you start to question. So, you know, and, and then, and then, and then, what happens as well is the media 
is also triggering mm. the um the the people who for example um i think his name's tommy robinson oh god yeah <laughs> right yeah. so i listened to him speaking yeah. right um when he was coming down to london um and he was really really angry mm. and he what he was saying i'm not saying i agree with him i'm saying what he actually said and i'm taking it as this is what he believes in because this is what he said mm. he's like you're coming in and you're destroying our uh you're destroying our um our statues you're destroying our you, you know like um so from his perspective mm-hmm. right he he probably doesn't know the atrocities that some of these 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 slave owners done yeah. and it's probably like somebody trying to take down Malcolm X and we'd be like, what the hell you're trying to take down, you know, mm-hmm. because they've always been taught something. So the media's trick triggering them to say, Oh, by the way, like black lives matter are now taking down your beloved statues of your heroes. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah. So I feel like that also caused this racial tension as well. So, mm-hmm. but this is the problem I, when you've got uneducated leaders yeah, we only need to look at the the, the buffoon that is leading America right now. Or, or misinformed. Yeah. And if uh, there was a whole David Stark thing as well. Sorry, I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> Sometimes you can be educated but misinformed. No, I'm saying that they're... Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. But it's the ignorance that's behind it and the arrogance that comes with it. That is the problem because that is all ego, like negative ego fueled. So you've got these people, these people who are in leadership positions. Um, just the other day, um, UK historian who was highly regarded at one point in the UK um, as our like I don't know national historian, he goes and makes that comment. But amongst his peers, he's done nothing wrong, and his peers are the people who are in who are sitting in high positions in in our, our UK society you see this is the this is this is kind of what the issue lies upon you see from there you see i feel like racism right is a perspective in some respects I, and hopefully i can articulate this in a way that i mean clearly mm-hmm. but racism i feel is like a perspective that if you don't necessarily experience it you can feel like it's not there Meaning, everything that you've ever experienced in life has always been that way. Mm-hmm. So in order for you to realize that your action or the things that you say is racist, you have to almost, like, break your understanding of everything you've ever known. Mm-hmm. Because your whole teaching and the programming was a racist programming. Mm-hmm. So in schools, you were taught that people who killed, slaved, colonized were heroes mm-hmm. right yeah. that they brought the good things from the world as if nothing happened that those people were like you know they were like barbaric before like there was there was um you know you you, you humanized them they weren't even humans mm. right you gave them like so it, 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 it you were taught that these people aren't of the same value they're not humans they used to have human zoos for black people Right, where people used to, you know, keep them in cages. Yeah. Right, so you have to understand it's it was built and it was also law to have sla- it was like legal to have slaves and to, to yeah. slave trade was people. You know, yeah. so you have to understand that all the teachings 
that are within the um, that some people, you have to break that apart mm. before they can even realize that their whole the way that they think their thought process. So it's hard to do yeah. because you have to yeah. think outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the reasons why I believe that the universe decided that I had to go back to teaching <laughs> um, during this, this time because um, these, like, when I went back into school, I was just like, this school is so, it's full of black children and full of children of, of black descent. And, but at the same time, there was not much that was being done to cater to their, their culture like it just felt very whitewashed and I've taught in a few schools that have been predominantly um black and afro uh, yeah of children with black um heritage um but there's nothing to support it there were no books there were no um picture books there were no black dolls there was nothing and mm it was really heartbreaking because I'm like, how do you expect to connect with these children if you're almost trying to erase their cultural identity whilst they're at school? Mm. And it was really, really heartbreaking. It was just the other day I was teaching year six students. So they're like 10 and 11 and, um, and their perspective of race and, I'm just sad that they have to experience this situation that we're going through at the moment, this Black Lives Matters, because I wouldn't have wanted to, I wouldn't have wanted something so sad to be the reason why I teach them about Black heritage and Black excellence um, and Black history. Um, But, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. So what's happened now is a part of my um, tutoring company i've set up a program um called untaught black history and it doesn't mm-hmm. focus on black slaves and you know how black people have been oppressed over all of these years and it, we get it we know it and i'm not discounting it but the focus is to teach black excellence both modern yeah. day and historical so we're looking at historical kings and queens of black dynasties and um you know, modern day black heroes. And could you maybe tell us of one example of something that maybe isn't taught in the schools, but something that um, will bring value to the listeners of black history? Just one. Okay. For example, hair. It it sounds quite, you know, rudimentary, rudimentary, but hair for black people, Historically, hair has always been our way of, or one of our ways of expressing ourselves. Yeah. And growing up um, with, for all of my girls out, all of my black girls out there that understand this term, 4C hair, um, AKA nappy hair, right? Growing up with that, it was always demonized. Granted, I had a lot of it, but it was tough to deal with. (laughs) Um, And this is one of the reasons why I I can't swim today because I was so afraid of getting my hair wet in the swimming pool with all the white children laughing at me because they didn't understand. So, and then there were times when um, 
boys would come in with, um, do you remember back in the day when boys used to get the night ticks in the back of their head? Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, the, all the, the different shape ups and stuff that was just a way of expression. It had yeah. absolutely nothing to do with if they got their sums right or wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was just a way of expressing, um, of, of black people expressing themselves. Girls were coming with different beads in their hair. Historically, that's what we have done. But, yeah. um, sad to say teachers who were not of, um, black origin or who did not understand um uh black cultural practices um when it comes to hairstyling um they they shunned it they wrote letters home to my parents saying that this hairstyle is unacceptable and mm. you know this this shouldn't be this is wrong and da, 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 da. so what the course that i'm doing is what i want to do is is glorify all the things that make black people unique and amazing. And uh-huh. one, of them, one of them is the way that we express ourselves through our hair. <laughs> okay, know? cool. I, 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 um, firstly, I want to say that um, I posted something recently about this, actually, um, <laughs> where they spoke about um, um, a newspaper. There was a ruling in... Um, America in 2019 that people couldn't have um, was it the dreadlocks it? yeah did you see it uh, yeah I, I think I saw something like that yeah they they wasn't a, they wasn't able to stop um, to stop people mm-hmm. from going to school or from getting a job yeah. because of the hair that naturally grows outside of their head ridiculous in 2019 that's still a thing that you can't do. And that I, I spot, when I posted it, a friend contacted me and said, her son has to have his hair at a level one. Shocking. I'm sorry, did the teachers give birth to that child? <laughs> this day, can you imagine? Shocking. You know, you know, when I went to school, I was telling her, when I went to school, we didn't wear school uniform. Oh. Um, we did whatever we wanted for secondary school. Okay. And that was because the teacher believed that she doesn't want to focus the attention on trying to, um, you know, worrying about what people look like. Mm-hmm. She wants to focus the energy on teaching the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and she okay. became a dame. Wow. She became a dame for her contribution. Yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if it was because of that, but she yeah. became a dame. She, she was well before her time. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Other than here, mm-hmm. is it at the top of your head? Can you think of any like kings or queens or stories um, that would be of value to people? Um, so recently, I've I've had to do a lot of research myself. Now, I'm the first person to admit that I'm not, you know, I don't know a lot about Black History Month at all. And luckily, I'm working with some amazing um, Black History. Uh, teachers um, who spe- who specify in that area and um, that Perfect. can you know because yeah. ask me about ask me how to write a story I can definitely do that but sure. Sure. <laughs> you know well, I kind of have to stay in my lane. Listen, everybody has a contribution. You're creating yeah. the plat. Your skills and resources create the platform so that they can be around the the 
the the people or even yourself who will have the information at that point to be able to teach it you know mm. um so yeah that's important yeah but I know um, that, and I've recently discovered, like, and this is the other thing that I just really want to share. There's black people in every corner of this world. Or when you think that there aren't, there are. I've recently discovered that there's a black tribe in Pakistan, and they've been there for generations. Yeah. You know, so it's those sort of things that we're going to be looking at, like indigenous tribes, as well as tribes that have migrated um, to all corners of the planet. Um, that's why I've called it untaught. So these are the things that, that they're not taught in school. You know, they're, I mean, they're, they mm. definitely don't highlight the fact that civilization started in Africa. Yeah. Um, and that we are all, we all come from Africa. Yeah. Um, and maybe if that was taught, then there wouldn't be so much hate in the world. Because if it's just like, okay, you know, your skin is just a different, different tone, just because you maybe the weather and the food over generations, mm-hmm. and but we're all the same. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it's For really real. important. So, um, Kerry Ann, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. I'd love to invite you back. But can you tell us um, just where people can find you, a bit of information, la, 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 Yeah, so I'm on all social media platforms, apart from Snapchat, because I still don't get it. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram um, under official Kerry Ann. Spell it, please. Um, so that's official and then K-E-R-R-I-E-A-N-N-E. So that is my artist page. So that's where you can find all of like my updates on upcoming gigs and and um, music snippets and that sort of thing. And then for my tuition page, it's under Miss P's Bright Sparks. So it's M S P S Bright Sparks. Yeah, <laughs> and that's on Facebook as well. Perfect. So this is conversations with Zalon. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. You can find me on uh, if you my website is zalononline.com where you can get my music or listen to my music uh, or you can get the merchandise. I have some Zalon merchandise there. Um, my music's on all platforms. You can also find me on YouTube. Um, and yeah, just put Zalon Music um, in Google next to any social media, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I do respond personally. Um, and, yeah, I want to thank Kerry ann once again for, for joining us. I know we have so much more to talk about. I would love to invite you back again. Thank you, Kerry ann Thank you for having and- me. I really appreciate the, the platform to, you know, express myself and to talk to you, just catch up. It's been nice. Thank you. Awesome. And thank you all for listening. Take care. God bless. Hi guys. Hi guys. How are you? I hope you're well. So listen, I know I ended the podcast, right? But what happened is after I pressed stop, Kerry Ann and I started talking and I felt like we were going through quite a lot of stuff that I felt should have really been in the recording. Now I have to be honest with you. I have a pizza that's being delivered in about 15 minutes time. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so I just said, you know, by the time it comes, let's just quickly try to like, you know, um, just touch on a few of the things that we were speaking on or just to make it organic, whatever, if it doesn't go there, it doesn't go there and that's fine. Um, and, and just to summarize, 
um, what was happening is um, Kerry Ann was talking about within uh, the lockdown situation that um, there were certain demands that was put on her from people who she'd maybe worked with in the past um, and had an expectation that she had to deliver, um, you know, some some content and do things for them. And uh, I'm presuming it was for free, right, Carrie Ann? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so have an expectation and it's free. Um, um, and what Carrie Ann was explaining is that, you know, she was minding her own business. And, you know, um, what I then proceeded to tell is that when you are taking care of your business, you know, and you are not reliant upon somebody else uh, uh, giving you money, um, you know, you don't have to have the attachment to that situation. Mm -hmm. So she was able to tell them, no, like, you know, um, like this doesn't work for me. And their response mm -hmm. was quite, what was she saying? Their response was quite what? Um, it was just cold and really, I, I can't remember the exact words that I used, but it was very dismissive and um, just rude. If I can so there was because of the expectations that you know we yeah. pay you to be here, you yeah. do that. So now you said that you've had you've been enlightened because go on. So since lockdown, um, I've learned how to manage my coin on my terms. <laughs> um, Brilliant, and it's it's really inspired me to sort of speak up and you know sort of let people know that this is what I will stand for and this is what I won't stand for. And this sense of empowerment made um, these these people <laughs> um, feel like they were powerless. I can understand why they would feel powerless because suddenly this, this woman who you have been supplying gigs to for the past however many years has, is suddenly making her own coin. She's got her own bag and she doesn't need me anymore. Um, so I understand why they would feel like that, put the, their nose out of joint. But they, I, the way that I see it is that they were just reacting in, out of fear. They were afraid. And yeah, really, I, any negative reaction is, is rooted in fear. Mm, so I, I respected that they had their fear and I didn't rise to, um, I didn't rise to, to their, you know, their misbehavior. Um, by coming back at them, I just said, mm. look, thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, and then we walked away. Or well, I walked yeah. away. Yeah. It's, it's being able to say no. You know, yeah. I've, I've had to turn down many situations just because mm -hmm. I didn't feel like it. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or not. Uh, I think I did when I was saying that. Um, it's about having, for me, success is having the option to choose. Um, mm. one, of the, one of the hardest things for me is to have to do something that I don't want to do. Or I mm. have to go perform here or I have to do this. Mm. Um, and, you know, removing that um, so that you can, you, can, you can have the option to choose. Yeah. Um, so if anybody's listening to this, hopefully this will be of an inspiration to start, you know, seeking and getting your own bag so that you can have the independence to make the choices and you're not reliant upon, Absolutely. you know. You know, it's funny um, because before um, before coronavirus hit, um, it was a huge struggle for me to admit that I needed to go back into teaching. 
It was a huge struggle mm-hmm. because I, you know, spent this time establishing myself as a singer and now everybody knew me as a singer. Um, and you know, the singing life is glamorous. You fly here and you five star this and five star. It's great. And then when COVID hit, all of my gigs had either been canceled or postponed. So I'm like, damn, I've got bills to pay. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, so I had to get really creative and act quickly. Mm. Um, and that's when I called on my teaching skills. I'm like, okay, what is the service that I can provide to people in need right now? I'm not mm. about to go out on the front line and, you know, I, I didn't feel like I, sh- I didn't want to be in the, the, in out in the public. So I thought, how can I make money from home? <laughs> Um, so that's why I set up the, the tutoring company. Um, and then the book came as a, it sort of came as a, as a result of me just saying, do you know what, let me see if I can go somewhere with this to make money and to help people. Um, and then all of a sudden, all these parents from around the country were messaging me. I would literally wake up at 5.30 in the morning and see a flurry of emails and Facebook messages. Please, can you help me? I don't know what to do. How do I teach my child? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm just like, my God, look at this. (laughs) Look at this. How am I going to... Did you ever watch Bruce Almighty? Yeah. You see that film? (laughs) Yeah. When he opens up his... um, What is it? All those people praying to him at once. Yeah. Yeah. When he was um, God, that's how it felt. Um, It was incredibly overwhelming. But you know what? It's I had to snap out of feeling emotional about the situation and think, right, I need to get myself into gear. I need to, you know, put singing to the side. Mm. Singing is not dead for me. I still Mm. sing every day. I love singing. And in actual fact, one of the courses that I offer um, is teaching children um phonics uh mm. but through vocal lessons so you right. know how we do the whole ah so the yeah. sound ah is what we would focus on um for their phonics lesson so i've managed to merge the two together brilliant and it's brilliant. so i like I, I love the sessions myself i'm never gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> well that's beautiful i mean i also wrote a book um, which was inspired by the coronavirus situation, the COVID nineteen. Oh, did you? Which was, I did. Yeah. Oh my um, God. It's it's how singers can make money from home and online. Yes. Um, and because Good. basically we're vulnerable, you know. Um, uh, one of the the main revenue streams is live performance. Mm-hmm. Is um, and who's to say that we're not going to get phase two, phase three, phase four? Mm-hmm. How do how do we know that this doesn't become a common a common occurrence? Mm-hmm. And so. It's exploring that the different options that singers may have in order to use the skills that they already have mm-hmm. in order to empower them to be able to add value and make money. Mm-hmm. Can so you give us one example? I can. Let me... Without giving away too much. <laughs> sure, sure. sure. Um, well, okay. One example is vocal training. Now, that's ob- that's an obvious one. If you mm-hmm. want to have one, I can have to look in, have to look in my notes. But one of the obvious one is, see, um, there are many... There's different levels that people need teaching. There's beginners, mm-hmm. there's medium, and there's experts. So, for example, even if you're not the best teacher of singing, um, a singing, like you're not the best singer or the best singing teacher, mm-hmm. you can still teach children. 
mm-hmm. you know, children still need to learn, you know, how to like just sing simple melodies, um, mm-hmm. how to warm up their voices, pitching. breathing, mm-hmm. yeah, pitching. You know, it doesn't have to not even pitching. I would say pitching is like medium level, beginner level yeah. is just holding a note. Yeah. It's just being able to hold a note and 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 to work on your breathing. Yeah. You know, so there's 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 a whole industry yeah. of beginners singing that you can do and so everybody can at least if you're a singer you can at least help children and beginners yeah you know so that's one of the the um the the things um that i spoke about if you want another one i've got my phone here i just have to look at it quickly yeah where can where, where can i find it where can i find um, it I, 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 so i've just had it proofread okay so i'm aiming to have it out by like you know the next it's going to be part of a course really so i have a a new course, which is called uh, Soul Royalty Artist Academy. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's going to be like a membership for singers. Yeah. And what it does is it's like a one-stop shop where you can just basically pay like a small nominal monthly fee. Mm-hmm. And you can basically have all of the, the information, tips, skills, everything that I've learned from working with Amy to all the stars to mm-hmm. how I basically toured independently internationally how I built my festival like how you do your first show um how you make money in music how you negotiate contract like everything is all going to be a part of this course um and you just pay a small as I said a small nominal um you know fee Mm -hmm. and um so so the book is a part of of that so it's Mm -hmm. kind of like um yeah I'm, I'm kind of putting it all together so probably in the next like say like two weeks or so it should be all right that is fantastic. And this is the reason why I think that we're very, very similar, Zalon, because you know that being a singer is not enough in this day and age. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's interesting because I spoke about this yesterday, firstly, on my my pod my um on my on my podcast and also on my social media, mm-hmm. where I was saying that um basically as a singer, we're no longer singers, we are communicators. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because um, when you sing, that's just one form of communication. Mm-hmm. But the other form of communication are pictures, gifts, posts, tweets, uh, a video, a song. Uh, they're all communication. And mm-hmm. we feel like music is more, in, um, we feel like um, music is more important. But to the, to, the, to the receiver, the audience member who's receiving it, you're just, everything's coming coming at them mm-hmm. whether it be like what someone ate somebody passed away a trend and so we're really just fighting for attention mm. and so once we expand our understanding that we are fighting for attention then we have all the tools that are available so i gave the example that if barack obama sent um you put a tweet and barack obama responded to that tweet and all the press all of a sudden started like mention it that would bring the awareness for your music now mm. All of that, all of that, one thing I didn't really highlight in my last post, but all of that, that is just the vehicle. That's just communication. So some people are getting lost, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's the communication for something else. Music was always the promotion for something. So, um, you know, if it can't be shows, then can it be what? So, for example, what does the music which you're creating the promotion what does it sell externally? Because it's always helped to sell stuff externally. Whether the artist was um, benefiting it, benefiting from it or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was music was always music opened concert halls. 
It opened bars. It's the reason why we have bars. It's the reason why we have instruments. It's the reason why we have um, people are selling, um, you know, alcohol. It like it's responsible for driving. It's the marketing for the the physical external stuff, mm -hmm. a product, a service, a brand, whatever. Yeah. So not only am I a communicator, but I see myself as a brand, yeah. a brand communicating. A, a communicating value to the audience and I'm able to add value in different ways that they'll be able to 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 buy into so like Jay-Z um you know he creates music that is the marketing for people to say oh I want to buy his liquor or I want to buy mm -hmm. his clothes or you know mm -hmm. so singers singers I feel need to expand because there's we don't sell music anymore no. we don't music so if you don't make like and, and you know audience member may not like to hear this but if you don't make money right you can't reinvest back into your product your product costs money it costs money to mix to to master to produce to pay and musicians fundamentally you can't live unfortunately you can't live. we live Absolutely. in a society where we need money <laughs> I, I, I forgot. I forgot about living. Yeah. You're gonna live because this is you the can't. problem as well, though, Zalan. Like, remember, I told you when I came back to the UK and I felt a sense of snobbery, or she doesn't make her own music. Like, yeah. it was almost like, oh, these um, we we do our own so our own songs, um, and we're making more money than you guys who are just you know singing at these um, smaller and less well known. Um, bars and events and stuff like um it's it's all about us and I was really disappointed because I was making good money singing mm. you know just other people's songs I was making yeah. really good money singing other people's songs but I faced such snobbery and you know mm. it I felt really put down by these people um but I'm like hold on a second I'm living on the money that I'm making. I'm able yeah. to drive myself to somewhere because I got a car because I had to, I, I paid for it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've got yeah. food on my table because of these little, I don't know, in your mind, crappy function gigs. Um, these gigs have, have put food on my table. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I personally speaking, I think with this with coronavirus um, happening, I think it's it's been a good thing for the UK or for the world to experience in the sense where it has caused everybody to stop mm. and have an opportunity because not everybody's taken the opportunity. It's been there. But to have an opportunity to analyze themselves, where they're going, what they want to achieve, what's going on in their life. And unfortunately for some people, it's been a hellhole for them because they've got all this time alone in their head. They've got no mm. distraction. Yeah. And it's, it's creating havoc. Like they just need to get back to the bars so they can, you know, um, pacify all the, the, the horrible thoughts that go on in their heads from day to day. Mm. Um, but overall, I feel like this experience that we've had as a global community has allowed us an opportunity to 
to, as musicians, I should say, get another skill, <laughs> yeah. learn something yeah. else. And I think, and, and, and the thing is, I, I think as human beings, we're not one dimensional. Like no. we can't just do one. T- like you know, it took me many years growing up to realize that um, I'm not a singer. Singing is what I do. So mm-hmm. I felt like singing was life, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the truth. I'm a human being yeah. that I enjoy yeah. singing a lot. Yeah, but I also enjoy doing other stuff. You know, I like reading, I like watching movies, I like meeting with, like, and so it's like you take, it's like, I mean, I know many others as well as me, but took it on as this is me. And so now you're confined to that, to that box of what a Mm -hmm. singer is supposed to be. That's the reason why you can't do anything else. It's like, well, if I'm a singer, then I can't be a teacher. No, Mm -hmm. I am a singer and a teacher. And that's that's exactly what what it was. I, but I subscribed to their boxes. This was the problem for me before COVID, before, you know, the, the self-realization or self-actualization. I was conforming to the boxes of the live entertainment industry in the UK. And it started from when I did The X Factor. <laughs> and you know, the great thing is, as people are now controlling their own narrative with their own audience using the internet mm. is like you don't have to subscribe to people's narrative you do you not. can create your own 100%. and if you have an audience and you build um a story with your audience that they love and they're a part of the journey seeing you going through and transitioning between the two it's you know, for, for, for a certain set of people, it can be relatable. It can be, you know, inspiring. It can be, you can be, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so listen, um, I'm enjoying this conversation. Um, my pizza <laughs> we could talk due. for hours. What's going on? <laughs> my pizza is due. But I do want to say to you is um, before we go, I was asking you because about your, your daily um, process on on like what you do like do you have any rituals or like do you wake up at a certain time like that like tell us what is a typical day for you okay so um a typical day for me every single day unfortunately my body naturally wakes up at 5 30 whether I want to what or not what time do you go to bed? <laughs> um normally around about 11 12 So I'm fortunate because I don't feel like I need to have a lot of sleep in order to function properly. Um, But that's come with like diet changes and stuff like that. Um, So I can easily function on five, six hours sleep. That's fine. So um, I normally wake up at 5.30 and I try to do some spiritual journaling. Um, So it's just a, a moment of quiet, calm, and I'm writing in my journal um, and I have a cup of coffee because it's early and I need to wake up. <laughs> and um, then I sort of, ha- I start work like full on laptop out, ready to go at 6.30. Mm. And um, I work on things like social media, marketing posts, reaching out to different influencers, um, lesson planning, course creating, all of that stuff, all the behind the scenes stuff. That's what I do between 6.30 and 9 o'clock is normally when my first lesson online starts. Um, and then I go all the way until 7 o'clock in the evening 
So there's a lot of children that need tutoring and I squeeze them in all day, every day, which is why I think I've got some grey hairs growing somewhere. <laughs> so do you, do you believe in mm. luck or do you believe luck is hard work meets opportunity? I think it's a bit of both. I think, okay, I don't think the universe makes mistakes. Um, you think it does or it um, doesn't? It doesn't. I think mm. everything has its divine time, divine order. Um, it happens when it's supposed to happen. There's a reason for it happening. Um, luck, sometimes if you are in the right place at the right time, I would call more call that synchronicity than luck. Because I don't want to sort of just, I feel like luck is very um, flaky. It's just, you know, ah, oh. like it's, it's not solid enough for me. I'm a Capricorn, so I like solid, hard, empirical data evidence. <laughs> and I like to believe that the universe has got everything, you know, in check already. So all that I can do is just create uh, and make myself available to whatever happens. Okay, cool. I was just wondering. Yeah. Um, okay, Do you cool. believe in luck? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I do believe. I do believe in. Um, you can create your reality, which mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, positive thinking, mm -hmm. um, hard work, mm -hmm. uh, consistency. I think creates opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, I guess there is an element of luck. Yeah. I mean, if you're walking down the street and for example, let's say like you just find a bit of money, right? That's luck. Like, you know, it could have, it could have, it could have blown and gone to somebody else, but it happened to, to be for you. Yeah. So I guess there's an element of luck, but I feel that, um, success I don't think is luck alone I think yeah. that success is an amalgamation of consistent hard work yeah. and positive thinking yeah. mixed in maybe with a sprinkle of luck here and there mm -hmm. um but I feel um yeah I think that that's what it is mm. yeah I agree I don't think, yeah I agree I don't think and without just... getting too semantic with the whole luck is um sorry hard work we shouldn't say hard work. I think we all understand what hard work means. We do mean to say work smart because you don't yeah. have to work hard. And this is such an illusion that has been spread across, you know, since the dawn of time that man has to work hard. No, you don't. You just need to look at some of these celebrities that are, you know, sitting in their billion dollar mansions or whatever. Like some of them haven't worked a day in their life. But they are—they've st yeah. still got the material possessions that, you know, any man could dream of. So yeah. it's not necessarily a rule. No, you're right. I, I absolutely works, smart. I think when I was uh, speaking to you before, which was offline, mm -hmm. I was um, saying to this—that's what I was saying to you. But I think you've formal—you've—you've you've, um, managed to express it in a in a better way. I was saying I felt like I worked hard mm -hmm. for many many years, and so. I'm not motivated to work hard anymore because mm -hmm. I felt like I've done a lot of stuff aimlessly. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so I'm interested in working smart. Yeah. And so more will take my time to kind of work things out, um, which is why I 
I asked you the question of, you know, what is it that you do? Because I feel it occurs to me you work hard. I'm not saying you don't work smart. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know. Smart, smart is dependent on what you're trying to achieve and finding the best way to go about it. Exactly. Because I'm not inside of your business, I don't know if it's smart or not. But I do see that there's a lot of work being mm-hmm. done. And so that's why I was, I was wondering, um, what was your motivation behind working hard? Because I find that, um, yeah, I, I, I prefer to work smarter now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I'm learning every day, you know, and mm. I... Um, if we are going to go on the premise of working hard, then yes, I do. I work from 5.30 until sometimes 12 o'clock in the morning, the next morning. And I can yeah. keep going. Like I've, mm. my family and everyone has said to me, Kerry, stop, take a break, like step away. Um, mm. But every day I'm learning to, to, to work smarter. So if it means that I have to, um, like I love lists and things. I, I'm always making a list. I make lists about lists. Um, if I have to <laughs> reorganize the way that I, I write my lists. Um, so it's, it's much more, um, so I can see it as soon as I wake up in the morning, let me try and see if that method will work. Um, and then the next day I might try something else. So I'm very right. much into productivity and, um, how, uh, and what tool I can use to, enhance my my business process i guess um no. so yeah so it is constant i mean there's no there's i know people have written books about it but listen life is trial and error okay <laughs> also I, I do i do want to say that most of the the greats that we know of mm. they worked hard mm. and yeah. And through working hard, they found smarter ways and more efficient ways to work. So exactly. I don't, I mean, it feels, I don't know. I just get occurrence that there's always this stigma attached to you working hard. But a lot of the greats did. Yeah. You know, a lot of them did. Um, so, yeah. But, but no, listen- I do say to, to everyone who is listening, like, and I said this to my kids this morning in school, I said, listen, COVID, of course, it's not the ideal situation for you to learn about life and to learn about yourself and, you know, making self-improvements. But I will say to musicians out there, make sure that you have another skill that you could do. And we've all got other skills. This is the thing. <laughs> We've all got other skills. We just need to tap into them, you know. Right. So, Perfect. of course, you can be a musician, of course. But if, like you said, you you can teach um, beginners vocal lessons or, you know, find another way. It's not the end of the world. You know, the, the music industry is just sleeping. It's not dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. Well, Kerry Ann, thank you once again for coming in. I did say I wanted to get you back. It was sooner than we expected. Yeah. <laughs> um, I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, thank you. And let's do this again for sure. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Zalon. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care, darling. And you. Bye. Bye.